Are you a napper? I, that's my favorite thing to do in the whole wide world. I love napping. I'll nap, uh, I'll probably take a couple more before I go to bed. I'll do that, like, I'll take an 11.30 p.m. nap. I, I just love, it's my favorite thing. You like it better than sleep? Better. <laughs> sleep is like the ultimate nap. You really, that's stupid, you just said that. <laughs> that was a dumb thing to say. What are you talking that about? That was such a dumb thing to say. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I wanted to ask you if you were able to articulate your your distinction between what it felt like to eat gluten before you were celiac, before you knew you were celiac, mm -hmm. uh, compared to what it felt like when you finally got off it and you were eating cleaner, for the lack of a better word. Um, Are you able to articulate like how you felt abdominally due to the gluten? Yes. With the gluten, there was just a whole lot more like bloating. And like if you tried to have like three beers, like mm. I remember going to a, a Garrison Brewery tour and having three regular beers and just being like, oh my God, I need to walk like five kilometers to get this like yeah i was just like i think i was going around asking people like are you super full from just trying to chug those beers <laughs> and uh no one else was as much as me that's interesting i think i'm just being hypochondriacal but like for the last two three weeks mm -hmm. becky and i have noticed the number of times a meal will make me feel oh, like i'll get gut rot really and not from stuff that i should be getting gut rot from yeah. do you do like you mind getting like blood work no, I could do it. You should just go in and get be like, hey, I just have never had blood work. Uh, you well, know, I did get it when I had when I was on Accutane. You have to get monthly blood work, right? But that was a long time ago. Well, I mean, yeah, the fact that I don't think I have celiac, but I, I, it seems digestively. It might just be because I'm a perpetually stressed person, but like we got pita pit the other day. Yeah. And I had horrible gut rot. And like yeah. I just had a Caesar salad with like a lot of croutons in it. Yeah. And I feel like I gained 10 pounds from dinner. It was a Caesar salad. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Wouldn't hurt to check it out. Yeah. Because they're able to tell first from a blood test and then. The other thing uh, is Becky thinks, Becky, th I, I don't think this either, but she thinks I might have an ulcer. Because I eat a lot of spicy foods, and mm. it also tends to happen after I eat spicy foods. I get pains, and that's also stress-induced. But I think there is more agony that comes with ulcers. Yeah, I think if you have an ulcer, you know. And ulcers repair themselves so quickly. Do they? Yeah, like, like it's so rare to hear about people that have bad ulcers. If they have ulcers, they usually have other health problems i didn't even know what it was but i thought it was much more severe than i think it is like yeah. i said so what is an ulcer like i was i've heard of the term and i knew it was abdominal and becky googled it and she's like it's a hole in your stomach lining yeah and that description makes it sound like the worst thing ever right like you would i think you'd be having like constant heartburn and stuff yeah i don't before. so much get heartburn it's just like a half an hour after i've eaten suddenly i feel I feel like really doughy and like, I'm not like I'm a thin person and yeah. I work out three times a week. So I don't sure. know why I constantly feel like kind of soft and like kind of bloated. I don't know. I, yeah, I would say it, it definitely went away a little bit after that. But having said that, I ate chili for like the last three meals and now I'm just kind of feeling like a bit bloated. Well, that's a gassy wow. food though. That's a gassy food. So hey, I'm what a way about, to start. I'm the sorry about the smell of your apartment. <laughs> well, Welcome I mean, to the show show, everybody. <laughs> 
It's been a while. <laughs> Soaking wet. Lots of stuff has happened, uh, just pop culturally speaking, it yeah. would seem. Yeah. Uh, I actually even wrote down notes. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I thought maybe we should like try and start the podcast. Here we are in episode 40, and I'm trying to like still rework the model. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> it is episode 40, by the way. Congrats to both of us. This is 40. Yes, this is 40. Uh, I thought maybe we should like start off, like I've written a list of stuff that is pop cultural and newsworthy and conducive to the kind of discussions we typically have. Good. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So we could just like go down the list and have our casual conversations, but along the skeleton of this list. Perfect. Um, so first off, a guy you've advocated for, comedically speaking, mm-hmm. is this Anthony... A- yes, Adam. A- Adam Maniak. I think. Adam Maniak. Yeah. He has just gotten his big break. He's gonna have a late night show on Comedy Central. Yeah, so fired up. Called the President Show, in which he will play Donald Trump. Yes, which is such a simple idea. Uh huh. And yet brilliant. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's so cool. It's just basically like if Saturday Night Live only did presidential sketches. Right. It's so true. And like I just was listening to um, just two hours ago. Uh, Alec Baldwin on Fresh Air went up, and I listened to it already. And they talked a little bit about the, but the impression that he does, and how he said, you know, there's five more episodes this season. I'll do it three more times, or whatever. Right. Like he's just going to round out the season. He mm-hmm. even says, no, technically speaking, um, the impression's not as good as some of the other guys. Oh, I was going to say, what did he say about like what does he think of his impression? Because some people are like, it's exactly like Trump, and it's so not. Like and there are people who not. say that about about Jimmy Fallon too. But I have a new. I have a new theory about impressions, at least for the most part. There are certain guys who are, and women who are, um, their gift for impersonation is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but when other people, nor ordinary people, try to do impressions, I feel like there's almost like a, a fruit-like life to an impression. Right. Like, at first, like, it's ripening, and you see, you can see them, like, they have a nugget. Like, yesterday you did, uh, we were talking about the Bill Simmons podcast, and you did a voice, and I said, is that your Bill Simmons? And you said, well, I haven't really worked on it, but I guess. But there was <laughs> something there. I don't really there. work on many voices, by the way, except maybe Jay, Jay Baruchel, which I did for a friend and you. You worked on a Trump for a little while. Oh, yeah, that was just for work, but, Right, yeah. but you, I think, have... A, a small gift for impersonation that if you were to... Well, exor- it's because of my perfect pitch. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you, you were Becky. to exercise that muscle, I think you could be very, very good. Uh-huh. Um, and Thank you. And so that is the the early ripe stage of an impression. And then right. after it's exercised and it's worked on, it becomes perfected. But after totally. a little while, I think impressions start to rot just as well as they ripened. Yeah. Um, if you go back and you listen to... Uh, let's take Jimmy Fallon, who is a guy who's considered quite good at impression. His mm. flagship impression is his Jerry Seinfeld. And if you go, yeah. if he does it, he still does it sometimes. It's not as good as it was when he was on SNL. Right. It's and, just and the same thing he has always done. And now it's kind of just this Jimmy Fallon thing. Right. When he did his first uh, like audio thing, which was the troll doll Yes. Thing like he, it, it was one of the things he workshopped for a long time. It was and then the it only on. vehicle he ever had for stand up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he basically pretended that different troll dolls or different celebrities were endorsing the troll dolls. I think. He, yeah, he was doing was, like a commercial. Yeah. To advertise troll dolls, which right. is so dumb. It's so dumb. But but he did like Jimmy Fallon, and he did. Um, I think he did Chris Rock, and I think he did, did Chris Rock. And he he did, did Robin Williams really well. His Adam Sandler is really his excellent. Adam Sandler, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. He did a lot of musical ones too. So he did like 
Adam Duritz of the Counting Crows and Alanis Morissette. And yeah, <laughs> super have, dated. So. Yeah, a bunch of like 1997 stuff. Yeah. Um, the same thing I think can be can be applied to Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump impression. I think it was better six months ago. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, it's still really good and it's still entertaining. And he's still playing the character of Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump. Right. But if this is true of Anthony Adamaniuk, mm-hmm. how will his impression develop over time? And will that yeah. be a problem? That's a good question. And have you seen his impression yet? Yeah, I saw he was. There was a clip when he was on Oh Hello. He did too much tuna oh. as Donald Trump. And what did you think of him? I thought it was really spectacular. It's like really, really tight. It's like really it, good. It almost sounds if you look away, even if you look at him, because he's got the dress down so perfect. It kind of looks exactly like it's Donald Trump. Sorry, cat problems. <laughs> I actually th- I thought I was going to be able to fill it. But. That's okay. I don't want you to have to do that. <laughs> uh, no, he's really, really good. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see. You know, the other interesting thing about that idea is that uh, this show of his mm-hmm. gives him maximum four years. It'll only be on for four years. Right. Right? Yep. Maybe a little so bit think. after that. I, I don't know. I mean, unless he were to get reelected. But. Well, I mean, is but minimum, what do we think it's going to be? One season? Because... And then does the joke get tired? Does the joke get tired? Does he get tired of doing it? Excuse me a second. Is the, sure. The cat is once again getting up to mischief. Colin, Colin just hit it with a bat. No, oh, my I, God. She has destroyed that chair. She has destroyed that chair. And yeah. I don't know what's with her right now. We went uh, furniture shopping the other day. Oh, did you? We went to, <laughs> we went to the brick. Yep. And we went to... Uh, Home Outfitters mm-hmm. and Yisk, and mm-hmm. we went to Structube, and we went to Ashley Furniture. We <laughs> You're went getting to into a level of World furniture stores that I've never even heard. World we went to Structube, we went to Yikub, we went to <laughs> Lord, heard of Yisk? Lord Dirt. No, I'm just joking. I've heard um, of Yisk. Ashley Furniture. Structube, we, I've not heard of. We went that. to Gallery, and we went. We didn't go to Leon's. I think that was the only one we didn't go to, and only because I'm just remembering now we didn't go to Leon's. We went to, I think I counted, it was nine different furniture stores. Interesting. Because Becky and I move on June 1st, and though together we have most stuff that a, a couple would need, mm-hmm. this coach is starting to feel kind of sinky, and it's got some claw marks or whatever, and so we were thinking we'll probably have to invest in a new coach eventually, and also sure. some new dining room uh well, a new dining room set, probably a table and some chairs. Cool. Anyway, it was a very interesting experience to judge our level of interaction with the sales associates of each stores based on the average price point of those stores. Right. So if you walk into like Worldwide Furniture, which is like $800 for a coach, they're all over you. Let me give you my card. Like they look at us sure. and they're like, oh, they're in their late 20s. They're probably looking to buy one of our coaches. Yeah. But when you go into one of the more pricey stores you're a ghost to them they're They're, like okay we'll deal with you later like they're not busy and they won't even say hello really yeah i know wow i know so did you find i've never shopped for furniture before i'm kind of just realizing this now i've never bought i've never bought like a couch or it's all been hand-me-downs and then like me too i got i was forced to get rid of my hand-me-downs when i moved in with jen oh really because jen valued her hand-me-downs more than my hand-me-downs so i said (laughs) whatever i don't care uh, and but he doesn't have that much stuff. Couches. Like she understands that her bed is terrible. Yeah. Um, and, but that, do you have a two bedroom? It's just one. It's one in a den. The, the den could be a bedroom. Sure. It never um, hurts to keep, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. It never hurts to keep an extra bed. Cause just picture once you're into your first house, then you're no, like, no, we probably uh, are going to keep, keep a bed. Yeah. Um, 
just, and also just because like if her parents come over from charlottetown or whatever from Summerside, like they yeah. can crash in the den right um there's a spot for it mm-hmm. so that's happening hey <laughs> you guys get the that? shitty bed yeah you guys well or not Thanks for coming to Charlotte. Thanks yeah, for well, coming from Charlotte. They live in Summerside. They're used to a certain standard. <laughs> that's, uh, but on a Summerside comfort level, that's got to be a four or five. <laughs> <laughs> Two other late night shows on the way. Uh, Eliza Schlesinger is getting a late night talk show. Oh, interesting. I don't uh, know much about her at all. Her stand-up was like really funny for a time, and now I kind of find it's it's very typed. Yeah. It's very much the same every single time. Like She's a very good memorizer. Yeah. But her... Her coup de gras is really uh, making fun of basic bitches. Okay. That's the whole of her act. Uh, And the other person who has a new show coming to Comedy Central, I wish I remembered his name, but he's a correspondent on The Daily Show. He's like the tall guy with the deep voice. He's very um, sardonic in his steel pieces. I feel like his name's Tim. Maybe. He looks like a Tim. Yeah. I wish I'd written it down, but anyway. So those are- White dude, though. Another, yeah, another white guy getting a late night talk show. Yeah. Uh, so he, is it going to be on Comedy Central? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I wonder if if it's the Larry Wilmore time slot. Right. It probably is. Yeah. Larry Wilmore was on something recently. I think it was Bill Simmons. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah. I didn't listen to it. No. <laughs> I should go and listen to that. I don't know. I've always been kind of torn about him. I yeah. found his show. Um, his show was very didn't mil- militant. It was very yeah. angry, um, and really? and not necessarily in a charming way, like such as. John Stewart when he's fired sure. up. Yeah. Um, but I think he's obviously a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a good writer. Yes. No question. What do you have? Um, I was just going to say, uh, well, there was the new Rick and Morty episode that dropped this week. Yeah. So what's the deal with this? Okay. So God, from, is it all over the from place? From my understanding, uh, which we were super excited. Like my friend texted me at one o'clock in the morning and he said, new Rick and Morty is out. I'm watching it right now. I said, I'm going to go to sleep. I'll watch it tomorrow, though. Yes. Uh, so I watched it first thing in the morning, and I loved it. It was great. Uh, because you've been missing this for like a year and a half, and there's really? only like eight or nine episodes at a time. Mm. So I said, man, that's so awesome. Like, I'm so stoked. There's going to be one after another every week. But what they did was they played it, I think, for like on an eight-hour loop on April Fool's Day. Okay. Which was cool, but I don't think they're like going to start the rest of the the rest of the season. series. Yeah, the rest of the season until like summer. So they just played the same 20 minutes over and over all day? Apparently. Oh my God. Yeah, Adult Swim. I just found it online. but Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, super funny episode. One of the things that's out in the uh, ether. pop cultural ether right now is the fact that there's a reference to uh, McDonald's Szechuan sauce yes. that only existed uh, when Mulan was first coming out. Right. And there's like a part of the Happy Meal. Uh, and he's in some like dreamscape and he orders that and he's like, the dreamscape is the only place that I can get it. <laughs> and uh, he's like, it was released for the movie Mulan in 1998. And it's funny because they're at a McDonald's drive through. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, it's making its way around the internet. Everyone's freaking out because they remember this McDonald's Szechuan sauce. Yep. And now anyways, I, I the word on the street is McDonald's is going to bring it back. I don't know if it's just one McDonald's or if that's based just on a, what I read. I think that's reaching. But like one of the corporate guys at McDonald's tweeted from the corporate account. And I quote, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Was so, it just that? We'll yeah. see what we can that's do. That's all I know. Yeah, that's really funny. But that's it wasn't funny. even necessarily like a direct response to anything. It was just we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Exactly. 
Uh, gotta love Twitter. Mulan is one of the next uh, Disney movies to be getting rebooted as a live action film. It's so weird. It seems like they're doing it in such a strange order. Yeah. Like, do you think that, like... Like, I thought Mulan was, like, a really cool movie, and I remember really liking it. Mulan Mulan is the most badass Disney princess there ever yeah. was. And Easy. the most underrated voice acting that Eddie Murphy has ever done. Yeah, that's probably true, too. <laughs> yeah. So the rumor a couple weeks ago was that it wouldn't so much be like Beauty and the Beast in that it's like a shot-for-shot remake of the same production like it would be a little grittier it would still be disney based it would still be a family film but like no music right and then there was so much outcry because what is mulan if not a musical like the songs in mulan are kick ass so a lot of people complained about that on twitter and then disney came out and said no look we haven't made any decisions about music yet and then yesterday they said no no there will be music in, right in and, well and what was jungle book like like was bare necessities in the jungle book i don't think so action i didn't think so either no. so it's weird because that was kind of the first step toward beauty and the beast where they did the live action movie but then they did like a shot for shot cut for cut plus additional film of Beauty and the Beast. And, like, I know Beauty and the Beast is a successful Broadway show, and I don't know what, like, I don't know exactly what the licensing agreement there is. I don't know if it was on a Broadway, Broadway show, too. Huge Broadway show. Okay. But I don't know if they did Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Like, right. The Lion King on Broadway, which is, I think, the second biggest Broadway show of all time. Yeah, to it was Phantom not. The Opera. It was. It, it was. was. It was. Yeah, it was the same. Oh. It was the same Elton John and Tim Rice songs that oh, make okay. that story so spectacular. I don't know if that was the case with Beauty and the Beast. I don't know if they did Be Our Guest and uh, all those other songs. I can't yeah. place them right now. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see when John Favreau does The Lion King as a live-action movie if they have the Elton John songs again. Like so Mulan. John Favreau's doing The Lion King. Yeah, because he did Jungle Book. Jungle Book. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you did that, you can do this. Yeah, and it's a spectacular project, but the the biggest concern is well it's not a concern but the biggest question is is this live action there are no people in it it's all animated it's all cgi yeah yeah they've got uh it's basically like a more intricate cartoon cartoon yeah they've got james old jones jones coming back to do mufasa again do they have jonathan taylor thomas doing simba (laughs) i don't think so oh man he should do that nor jeremy irons as scar the rumor yesterday is that the top pick for nala is beyonce knowles Wow. <laughs> you were going to say Beyonce Nala. <laughs> Beyonce Nolza. Wow. Yeah. So that'd be a big thing. Who, so is there talk of who Simba is going to be? Yeah, it's Donald Glover. What? Yeah, yeah sorry. Did I know this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I forgot to mention that, but yeah, it's Donald Whoa. Glover. Yeah. Man, the world is weird. Busy guy. Were people saying this in like 1996 when, uh, when <laughs> Elton John decided to do the all of the music for probably. the ranking where it people was, like the world is weird. It was probably thought of as kind of radical. Like, yeah, I guess like, so. The, Disney movies were huge then, but like Elton John was a rock star. Right. <laughs> and it was like his huge, I think it was kind of his like big comeback after his eighties music, I guess it was like, Whoa, Elton John's doing this crazy shit. And then princess Diana died and they were like, Whoa, he's doing candle in the wind <laughs> right again. <laughs> yeah. Differently. Right. I know. Well, and, it helps that those songs were stunning. Yeah. And the lyrics are written by Tim Rice, who wrote all the lyrics for Jesus Christ Superstar. So, like, he is lauded as well. Right. Um, and who was the guy who did all the all of the writing for all of Elton John's other music? I mean... Bernie Toppin. Bernie Toppin. He did the yeah. lyrics anyways. Isn't that, like, an interesting person? Like... Yeah. Like, he could, he could be in the grocery store aisle with you, You'd have having no written... Idea. 
your song and rocket man right and like saturday night's all right for fight and like you would never that's elton john isn't it yeah terrible yeah yeah. no but i was just gonna say like was he was he a songwriter or was he kind of a poet that was like here's my latest poem well it's like elton john was like i'm gonna (laughs) sing this now I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, he's a lyricist. I don't know when the partnership began. He's like, it sounds like Saturday. But if I said Saturday, 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 how would that sound? <laughs> I don't, I don't I even understand. I don't know a whole lot about songwriting anyway, but it seems very confusing to like have a bunch of words sent over and then you just sit at the piano and make them into a tune. Sure. It's very weird. Or maybe it goes the other way around. Here, I've, I've written this instrumental for some reason in my head, I was just like, ga, ga, la, 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 <laughs> That was the, the song. That was the, like, lyrical genius that came into my head. Another another guy who's, like, it's kind of a parallel, although on a slightly smaller scale, is Phil Collins with the Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah. Which, those songs were incredible. Those were the best songs Phil Collins ever wrote. You're right. Yeah, they were, well, yeah, they were very good. They're good songs. That was, that was the best part of that movie. Well, and I think that's how people feel about Mulan. Like, no disrespect to whoever wrote that script or to eddie murphy who was funny yeah let's get down to business to defeat the huns the right. best song in disney maybe ever yeah and a girl worth fighting for uh and the when will my reflection show who i am inside that's a huge song wasn't that wasn't that pocahontas no that's oh, colors of the wind colors of the wind that yeah that was that big song isn't this a fun discussion this is a fun discussion <laughs> it's it's funny because there were a bunch of movies that disney put out during the whole kind of like renaissance period mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily the best, like Mulan and like Pocahontas, but they were still huge at the time, yeah. but they, they're not looked back on like Lion King. No. And it's funny. I actually kind of group Pocahontas in Little with Mermaid. like Lion King and Aladdin. Like I kind of oh, really? think of them as like the A column. Yeah. And then in the B column, I would put Mulan. Oh man. When's the live Emperor, action? Emperor's New Groove. Oh, you put that in there? Well, that's not even a Disney movie. Yes, it is. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. It certainly is. And it's it's one of the best, don't get me wrong, but it's not one <laughs> See, of the iconic ones. It. Oh, really? Because like, yeah, it wasn't a big big movie when I You, when you I should was go home age. and put it on, honestly, cuz it's I remember it seeing, holds up. I remember seeing the previews for it and thinking it looked funny. It's for so a funny. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the songs are great in it's it. It's David Spade, isn't David it? David Spade and John Goodman and Eartha Kitt and and uh what's his name? Isn't Patrick Warburton in it? Patrick Warburton plays yeah. Crunk. Yeah, it's it's just a really funny weird story cool very weird yeah okay i'll check it out yeah yeah um yeah and what what other disney movie like oh yeah aladdin when are they gonna like when am i gonna hear the live action one step ahead of the bread line <laughs> that is <laughs> that is not perfect pitch love it love it, love it every day that is not the song that people go to when they start talking about the songs in aladdin I great always, song i always go to that one that's a great song straight but, rat <laughs> um that's another one that they're going to struggle with because I think the American movie going public at large is racist and won't be inclined <laughs> to, to go see a film unless sure. the Indian guy they cast has predominantly American features. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so oh, I mean, not of, fair. <laughs> it's not that's fair, not but fair, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to yeah. happen with Mulan too. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Speaking of Indian actors. Mulan's going to be Olivia Wilde calling it now. Or Pocahontas, whichever one they feel like. Olivia Wilde? No, sorry, Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn. Yeah, she's Olivia Munn's like thirty-five years old. <laughs> Pocahontas is like fifteen. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, that's fine. That's the way it People works. People say that Amy Adams should play Ariel, and again, that's not happening. No. Lindsay Lohan threw her name into the ring to play Ariel. She threw her name in. Yeah, she was like, I that was will, so I, kind of her. Well, and she even threw in a caveat, like, like but only like if they were, yeah, like they were desperate <laughs> to have her. But like, she was like, I'll only do it if this is the director. I don't know who she named for the director. Oh, but. like Tina Fey. Well, no, it was somebody. It was some guy. It might have been the guy who directed Beauty and the Beast. Actually, anyway. I'll only do it if Damien Chazelle's doing it. <laughs> but it was just—it's such a weird suggestion because, like, Lindsay Lohan is like twenty-nine. Yeah, Ariel's like nineteen or seventeen or whatever. And Lindsay so. Lohan looks seventy-five. Yeah, she looks heinous. She looks like her bones are going to disintegrate any day. Anyway, maybe she looked better underwater. <laughs> That she should stay there. Did you see any of Louis C.K.'s special yet? I watched all of it. Okay, so what did what today. did you think? I thought it was good. I I loved the way. I think there's a little bit more of a nuance with his comedy. Like whereas Dave Chappelle, I was kind of watching it like, oh, he's going all in, and like, but it seems like when Louis C.K. is saying things, like when he starts out with abortion, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like I'm, or maybe it's not good, or yeah. maybe like it's he seems like he's kind of very 2017-y, like, taking the... I don't know what's PC. He's Switzerland. And yeah. He's, yeah, he's Switzerland a bit, but not really, because he ends up letting you know exactly how he feels. Which is brilliant. But he, like, eases his way. Yeah, exactly. So I just thought it was, like, very... When we look back on it, or... When we look back on it, we might be like, oh, yeah, that was easing into the PC culture. Well, like, when he talks about abortion, when he says... um I don't. I. I think you should be able to have abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like killing a baby. Well, it's a little bit like killing a baby. No, it's a hundred percent killing a baby. Right. He's made every column of people laugh. Yes. Once in that list, and and, and it's funny because when when he says it, you like you realize when he says, you know, people are angry at the people protesting. They think you're murdering babies. Yeah, that's such a great point. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, when you say it that way, people are like, stop it. Yes. Stop. Like, you can't do that. It's without, like, yeah, you're right. Without spoiling another person's comedy because it's wrong, I mentioned to you that the reason it's called 2017, when he talks about Christianity, that's yes. the best part of the special. Right. That's, yeah, you thought so? I, oh, thought, I thought, it was, thought it was so strong. Yeah, it was It was pretty funny. It's just so genius. Yeah. I just thought, I, I'd never thought of it that way before, and it's so obvious. There were a few things that made me laugh out loud during it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which I laughed harder at, at the Chappelle show, or Chappelle show, at the Ch- Chappelle specials, or this one. What I really liked I thought, about- I thought it was strong, though. Like, I thought it was a good showing from I thought Louis the C. writing K. was good. I thought that he's trying really hard to shock you yeah. with this one. Well, I- yeah, like, what do you do when you're a stand-up comedian? You try to shock, and when you've already pressed those buttons, like, my friend Brent said last week, he's like, he listened to the podcast and thought that we had a lot of the same feelings as he does on stand-up comedy. Okay. And one of the things he said was, you know, whose first stand-up special do you like the most? Like, I think we, in other words, over time, we're less shocked by what these comedians are saying. You, you get so, to know the rhythms of their comedy. So by the time you get to their fifth special, when you look back on it at the very end, like after watching the fifth special, you might say, oh, that was his best one yet. Yeah. But really, a couple years later, you're like, yeah, I really think his second one was the best one. Well, this is one of the reasons people really celebrate George Carlin because of how prolific he was and how uh, able to evolve he was. And he did yeah. like 15 specials and many people will say that each one is better than the one before it. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's an exception. I was trying to think of exceptions for that. He's an exception. Um, 
And there hasn't been that many Dave Chappelle specials, but in, no. in what I've seen, like a thing he's really held on to since his absence is this ability to still create the illusion that he's just talking to you. Yeah. Where I, I think Louis kind of lost that a little bit. Like Louis felt like a performance. Right. Louis, the, he wasn't he wasn't fooling me into thinking this wasn't pre-written. Like the laugh wasn't uh, wasn't supposed to be there. You know, you, like I think every little thing kind of is rehearsed. Yeah. Like what's organic in that? But but that's an art form too. Exactly. Totally. He's refined it like over and over and over. He knows exactly the mannerisms that'll make people laugh more. Yeah. I think it's great. Uh, Louis C.K. has a special called Hilarious, mm-hmm. and it came out like almost 10 years ago, I think. But I still think it's his strongest. I think it's the best one. Yeah, Hilarious ever. and Chewed Up is really Chewed good, Chewed Up too. is really good. Is that the one that's only 30 minutes? I think so. I think that's like the one where he started talking about his kids, and that yeah. was kind of like what brought him into the limelight, which really is a ex- weird way to be brought into the limelight. I'm really excited for Bill Burr to start talking about being a father yeah. in his comedy, because that just happened. Yep. So he's going to have some some thoughts for sure. Did and did you like? Uh, okay, one one last thing. Uh, in in I got the, plenty more, by the way. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah. cool. In the Louis C.K. special, he thanks Jerome Bettis at the end. I don't know if you saw the whole list. I didn't of watch people the credits. He no. Thanked. Um, he thanked Jerome Bettis. Like, did you hear when Led Zeppelin kicked in? Good times, bad times at the end. Because he guess. he walks off and then he walks back on, and it looks like he's about to do an encore. Like he no, picks I the didn't microphone. Get that. No, I okay. didn't. I didn't stick around that he long. He picks the microphone back up, and then it just goes into good times, bad times. Like in the days of my okay, and and then it goes into the credit. Um, but he's like Louis, thanks. It says people said, and I didn't put down everyone, but mm-hmm. I put down the noteworthy names for me: Jerome Bettis, mm-hmm. who is a former, I think tight end in the NFL played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Muhammad Ali, Chris Rock, Seinfeld, Barack Obama, Paul Simon, and Billie Jean King, who's a female tennis player from the 70s. Yeah, Emma Stone's (laughs) playing her in the movie. Who? Emma Stone. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's coming out for Oscar season next year. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. These are all the like Oscar darlings. That sounds very random. What a weird, I don't know if it was just people that inspired him throughout his life. Did he call these people for advice? Was he talking to Barack Obama or was he just thanking him for eight years or? Maybe. I mean, he said last, he was on Stephen Colbert last night and they of course talked about Donald Trump and he, he very openly said, uh, his words were lying sack of shit. Right. Um, but he said, we had eight great years with Barack Obama, who I loved. Right. So like that's that's that was like an authentic thing he said with no joke attached to it. Right. So I think I think he meant that. It's interesting. He was on Jimmy Fallon last week to promote the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, and the difference between him talking to Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert. I hate that. I feel like we're kind of shitting on Jimmy Fallon a lot lately. I and the I, I think we're just doing what is happening the narrative around him at the time i think we're doing the narrative around maybe Jimmy right. Fallon. we're maybe moving right. with it we're fluid it's yeah. like it's like sexuality exactly it's it's yes jimmy fallon's a spectrum yeah <laughs> um he worked on the dana carvey show with stephen colbert 19 years ago or however long it was right and so they have a history and they have all an old friendship and they're like taking stabs at each other but it was super friendly and you could tell they really re- appreciate and respect each other yeah, definitely um and Stephen Colbert is so quick and yes. so authentic. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy Fallon is like a sweet guy, mm-hmm. but you could tell, you could see the exact moment when Louis got tired of Jimmy. <laughs> really? In the interview. It wasn't hidden at all. Wow. Um, in fact, he tells him 
that was stupid what you just said like there's <laughs> I, <laughs> really we can watch it afterward uh, it's, wow yeah he gets he gets immediate like jimmy tries to riff with louie yeah like louie is trying to tell a joke and jimmy jumps in because he's not good at interviewing and can't ever let there be a moment where he's not talking over the guest and uh because that is um uh objective by the way jimmy's a bad interviewer right um and he tries to riff on the joke Louis just made, and Louis wasn't done his bit, mm. and the the riff that Jimmy had wasn't useful. No, and it was pointless, and Louis was very openly annoyed by it. It was like you're trying to take credit for my joke right now. And exactly, funny. I'll stick it at the front of this podcast. Okay, interesting. Yeah, can't wait to hear it. What else do we have in here? Uh, Walking Dead wrapped up. Yes, um, it had its lowest ratings for a season finale oh really yeah a, wow. a strong drop-off considering how how big of a deal this this season was at yeah. its beginning yep and it's because it's been such a slow season like i understand with the comic books it's all leading up to something else mm-hmm. but i think they're also kind of trying to draw it out okay like there were 16 episodes this season they did eight and then a break and then another eight um and it just seems like they're going to try to keep Negan in there for as long as they can because he's kind of a cool villain. But, yeah. But yeah, I just, it's not as strong of a season. Like the season finale last year was crazy, but it was also a cliffhanger. And like, if it ended on another cliffhanger, I would have also been a little bit pissed. It's nice that they did two eight episodes run, eight episode runs for the year though. They do that. I think every year. 16 episodes last... is a lot for paid cable. It is. That's cool. Did you hear that they're hoping to run Walking Dead into season 20? No, I didn't. I did not hear that. Because the comic books are still going. The graphic novels have not reached an end yet. And so not unlike Game of Thrones, which is not done yet either, at least there's mm-hmm. uh, there's an eminent ending right. and they have a plan for it. Like uh, the people who work on the graphic novels have no interest in, in wrapping it up. It's just a serialized comic book now. Right. And so the TV show is kind of like, well, maybe we can just leave it on the way Grey's Anatomy is on as long as it's popular. Is it still on? Grey's yeah. Anatomy? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's, I it's don't like know. It's like 14th season or something. I just, have, I just have such a mindset of like, ended at its highest, but I guess they don't know where they want the comic books to end, and I just want right. stuff to be wrapped up before right. it and dies. Right now, they're still kind of loosely following the same story, like with Liberties, but it's yeah. still kind of the same. Like Rick gets his hand cut off in the comics, but right. apparently in the show, they thought that's going to be... Or, the comics, the comic writers, even after doing it, were like, fuck, this was a huge hindrance for us. Yeah. So now in the show, they didn't do that. And it would be even more of a hindrance because you'd have to green screen everything. And it well, that and, well, yeah, just, yeah, you're right. Production wise, it would be a big pain in the ass. Yeah. But also, it's just going to impact every element of the story forever. Totally. Uh, oh, yeah, but he can't pick that thing up because he would need two hands. He turned up in. Uh... I think it's Rick, if I've got the actor right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turned up in the Love Actually sequel. Andrew Lincoln, right, right, right. Yeah, Red how, Nose Day Actually. How how was that? It was cute. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Okay. It was charming. It was what you want it to be. What was it called? Red Nose Day Actually. So Red Nose Day is a big, um, it's, it's a British-based charity called Comic Relief, which helps oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. children. Um, but it's become like a really big thing in British popular culture yep. uh, where it's the big day where all the funds are raised. Crazy, uh, and they did a carpool karaoke with James Corden. 
Yeah, uh, and they, uh, you know, the the little the little uh, companion books that J.K. Rowling released for the Harry Potter series that are supposed to be like the Hogwarts library. So like Quidditch through the ages and Tales okay. of Beetle the Bard. She wrote these other books that are supposed to go with your Harry Potter set. Mm-hmm. All the money from those goes towards comic relief. Like it's a very big British charity, right? Uh, and so much so that they got, uh, you know, like every main character in Love Actually, except for Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. To right. come back to do this ten-minute sequel, it was kind of charming. Why wasn't Emma Thompson in? Because she, her storyline was with Alan Rickman, so it's kind of weird without, right? Yeah, I think they probably could have connected her to the Liam Neeson storyline because they were uh, they were buddies in the right. first movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess Richard Curtis called her and said, "Listen, I just don't know if we can fit you in here without it being a sob fest." And she's right. like, "No, I totally Fine get with it." Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good for her. The other uh, Walking Dead related thing I wanted to mention is that a long time ago on the podcast, I told a story, you probably don't remember, I told a story about how I was kind of trying to track down the first in a relatively fringe comic book series called Invincible, which was originally created by Robert Kirkman. Yep. Um, The story I was telling around it was that I went into the bookstore and I asked for it and the lady was snotty to me, but I don't remember exactly what happened, but... right. Anyway, it got optioned and picked up to be developed as a TV show for AMC with Seth Rogen as executive producer. Wow. So he and Evan Goldberg are doing Preacher already. And they I are doing I Preacher, how, I was going to say. How is that connected to Robert Kirkman's universe? Is it? I don't know if it is. Okay. I, I think I think it's just another comic book story that they're okay. producing. Well, now they're doing Invincible, which is a very gritty, very violent superhero show. Okay. Well, sorry, comic book which I've never gotten to read, and now I guess I'll have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it's my understanding that it's, it kind of focuses on this young superhero type. It's it's set in a world where a lot of people are superheroes, have superpowers, not unlike mutants and X-Men. Like sure. a certain population of the world's, uh, of, of all the world's people have superpowers, and that's understood. But this this main character is the son of, say, the George Clooney of superheroes. Uh, okay. Like his dad is casts the biggest shadow in superhero culture. All right. And so I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah. I'd like to read that, too. Yeah, it kind of sounds fun. Never... Although it's apparently very violent. Yeah. Which it would be. But in a comic book, does that bother you as much? No, I could read a comic right. about it, but the show might be very graphic. Sure. Yeah. It probably will be. I saw a trailer today for the new season of Fargo, too. Oh, really? And it looked pretty good. Ewan McGregor plays, like, multiple characters in it. He's having a bit of a moment right now. Yeah, from what was Trainspotting two like? Was there any reception for that? Like, no, I mean, I didn't not really. really. It kind it. of it kind of was released a couple of different times. So it was released overseas first a little right. while back, and then it got its its wide release in the states a couple of weeks ago. And it didn't make a lot of money, but it was going to be a small thing. Yeah. Anyway, right. I'm really curious about it because, I mean, I have to watch Trainspotting one again, mm-hmm. especially as like a 25 year old. Yeah. Um, because. It's this interesting story about, I mean, you strip away the drugs. It's this interesting story about what it means to become a man. Right. And it's my understanding that T2 is this story about what it means to still be a man who's still learning. And so I like those coming of age arcs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, He was also in Beauty and the Beast is why I say that. Like He was in Beauty and the Beast and Trainspotting at exactly the same time. And now he's in Fargo. So he's a very busy fellow. Ewan McGregor was in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he played Lumiere. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Uh, he also did a Reddit AMA very recently. Okay. And decidedly did not answer any questions about Star Wars, which has some fans thinking he has a... Stake in the new ones? 
No, he's not allowed to talk about the fact that there's already a Kenobi movie in the works. Uh, a Star Wars saga that tells the story of, of Obi-Wan when he's isolated on Tatooine in between episodes three and four. But are the, is, is he supposed to be Obi-Wan? He played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But yeah. I mean, is he supposed to, of course. supposed to continue being Obi-Wan? Well, I mean, everybody the everybody agrees that if there's one thing that stands out as the best part of the prequels, it's Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Right. He was awesome. Yeah. And he's a little bit older, as would Obi-Wan be now. Like, everybody's totally eager to see him again. Interesting. He's not at fault for those movies not being good. Yeah. So, yeah. Plus, there's a really great uh, Star Wars novel, which is not technically canon anymore. Mm-hmm. It's called Kenobi, and it's about that time. Uh, and it's written like a Western, which is really cool. Oh, wow. And people would just be kind of eager to see what that would look yeah. like on, on film. That'd be awesome. Um, what other, uh, things do you have on your list? The Purge is going to be a TV show. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> on what? People are still into The Purge. Is it going to be like a, like CTV show or is it going to be like an HBO No, I think it will be like a dark thing. I don't know if HBO is going to be interested in that schlock, but right. it, The Purge is kind of like. It's kind of like Fast and Furious or NCIS. Mm. Right. Like, it's not the most talked about thing anymore, although Fast and the Furious kind of still is. But it has such an enormous audience in middle America. Well, it's such an interesting concept. The Purge? Yeah. Yeah, The Purge is kind of what a lot of people refer to as the greatest missed opportunity in violent filmmaking. Like, it's yeah. such a cool concept where the first movie was maybe not as good as it should have been. Mm. But people went and people continue to go. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of them. But I would no, be down I would to at least them. see the first one. I would hate them. <laughs> I'm very sure of that. And that's pretty much all I have for stuff. Uh, Chris Harbrick's got like two or three new shows. Yeah. He's got, uh, they're kind of converting Talking Dead into a just talking with Chris Hardwick show. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So they're going to, on weeks where uh, Walking Dead's not on, it's going to be a year round talk show. It should just be called Talking. It is. It's called Talking with Chris Hardwick. Oh, nice. And so they'll talk about other pop cultural pop cultural institutions it, and it seems like he's winding down the podcast a little bit uh yeah i don't know i mean he hasn't been doing three a week for a long time right um when he was doing three a week it was kind of like a gold mine like they were getting huge guests maybe, but he's making regularly. so much money oh yeah, yeah. he's like he's got oh, like sorry, four I don't tv mean, shows it was a gold mine for the listener it was not a gold mine for him i'm sure no and and like he's got a game show which has done its first season now but i guess it did pretty well and yep. he's he's constantly doing live with kelly and i think she likes working right. with him which is I, funny to me does she have a co-host yet no no she's still just uh, kind of bringing in different people thing. all the time which i think she should keep doing forever yeah i honestly don't think they should hire somebody else sure just live with kelly yeah was it michael and kelly or kelly and michael it was kelly and michael yeah okay that's yeah. good yeah that's, that's respect yeah exactly <laughs> should we get to these shows because we've been doing this for a long time yeah let's do it we'll reluctantly <laughs> get to these shows uh, this is just more and more becoming a podcast where we just talk about pop culture, which well, is all it should have been. If we, yeah, that's true. Um, which is what we usually talk about. We wanted to have a show where we talked about the things and and the th- things that we would talk about at work, but just record it really, right? Exactly. And I think that's what we're doing. It's a little bit like Live with Kelly, where everybody <laughs> just listens for the first fifteen minutes where they're just bantering. Mm-hmm. That's the only interesting part of the show. Creepy little Gelman. Yeah, and Mia. Mia is Gelman. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, uh, the, I don't know why I'm looking at notes cause I don't, the shows we watched were powerless and trial. Oh wait, do we want to do the, 
the yeah, breakdown. We should, we should, we should do, Let's the, do the breakdown. Let's we stick should with do the. the I think it's your turn to pick which one you want to do. It doesn't okay. really matter which one I end up with because I don't think I'm going to do a good job recapping either one. Well, I'll do Powerless because I I think I just kind of understand that one better. Well, okay. I don't. It's here, not, it's here I got my phone here. I'll time you. All right. The recap. Uh, Matt Slaney doing a fairly new show called Powerless. Um, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Yeah, just hang on a sec. Just chill out a hey man okay. hey fine just uh all right you can start your recap in three two one go okay so powerless is a show that takes place in the dc universe in charm city and vanessa hudgens is the main character of the show now in the first episode she's driving to her or she's in a train on her way to work uh there's a big accident see i always get fixated on the first 30 seconds fuck oh my god now i only have 10 seconds left okay uh anyways it's basically about an insurance company that deals with the uh uh, the the damage done from superhero fights and uh, it's it it's Bruce Wayne's brother runs it cousin runs it damn it God man I'm not good with pressure no that's okay you did you did very well yes he is uh, given that I spent like ten seconds saying oh shit no oh, he's uh. Bruce Wayne's cousin mm-hmm. uh, it's also not an insurance company and I was really no, dis- I was really disappointed to see it's, it's not an insurance company. It's really company. more of like a, I said insurance company, but what it is is kind of like an R&D department for like a, an invention company. Yeah, they're like a product development company. Yeah. Kind of like Stark Industries. And sure. The idea is they develop stuff that will keep the public safe in the event of a superhero, supervillain related public crisis. Right. And that's fine. It's just a little on the nose. And I, when, I, when it was originally... Uh, pitched mm-hmm. when the pilot was first written and when we talked about it on new year's eve yep. the premise was that they were a insurance company that was dealing yeah. with the aftermath of a lot of destruction because of superheroes and that's so much subtler and that's even kind of what the synopsis said yeah but i guess how do you come up with something so interesting in every episode because otherwise it's like oh no we got another claim for the jack-o-lantern or whatever i guess so but the i mean the office itself is a great example of how these shows are always about You're the people right. not it was about a paper company yeah yeah there, it really had nothing that's to do almost like a metaphor for look it doesn't matter what this show is about right. it's about the people it's always about and they the were people. making a big point of saying hey it's a wayne Ind- industries company and Bruce Wayne runs it. Although I liked Alan Tudyk in it a little bit. I just like seeing Alan Tudyk in things. Me too. I like Alan Tudyk. Didn't love him in this. Uh, I thought he was fine. I, no, I didn't think he was the problem with the show at all. No. I think, and it's not Powerless's fault because they didn't invent this character, but I think it's very antithetical to the very nature of Bruce Wayne to give him family members. That's true. I think he, that the whole point of him is that he's lonely yeah. and has no one but Alfred. He's like a friendly co- cousin. and There's like this the, sweet guy who he could have been pals with growing up. Yeah. That doesn't work. Uh, yeah. You're, you know what? I didn't think about that at all. But, but, it, but it's, it's, not, it's not Powerless's fault. He was a character, uh, v- Vanderveer Wayne. He played Van Wayne in the show. Right. The character's name was Vanderveer Wayne mm-hmm. in Earth One, which is like a popular um graphic novel series oh really Batman. yeah huh. but it's like a, a like a, cons- a considered a, a like a one of the better canonized versions uh, of batman so it's interesting that i'm sure other people have had that criticism but right. uh yeah i i did find it funny that there's so that's a, your issue with that comic too is that bruce wayne shouldn't have a family i don't think so i think yeah. well and, and vanderveer wayne in earth one is like a spoiled brat he's not oh, he's not okay. like alan tudyk's character at all well like, he's kind of a, a spoiled brat though like he you feel bad yeah. for him at the beginning but then he wants everyone to get fired so that he'll 
Right, but he really likes up. Bruce Wayne, and like he's he's kind of a kiss up. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I did find it funny that they're constantly referring to this uh, success in business self help book that Bruce Wayne has written. Right, uh, Wayne or lose. Wayne or lose. I thought that was funny because mm-hmm. uh, the idea that Bruce Wayne would sit in front of a laptop and write a five hundred page book <laughs> yeah. about how to be successful in business yeah. is funny. Yes, you're right. I um, did it for sure. Did you like Vanessa Hudgens? I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on her. Like me neither. It, she, I didn't think she was bad. I didn't think she was the problem with the show. Either. No, no. I thought it was like, I was kind of okay with it, but I wasn't expecting a lot from it. So there were parts that I was kind of like, huh, I was, all right. was. I don't know why I really, I, I was kind of disappointed. I thought it was going to be more than it was. You know what? I like Danny Putty and I like Ron Funches. Who looks great, by the way. He's lost like 200 pounds. He looks me. incredible. But, uh, but I thought Danny Putty not playing Abed, I thought it was going to be weird. Yeah. But he was still playing a quirky character. Yeah. Who delivered lines like kind of funny. Right. Um, but he was more kind of like a, an idiot who was trying for success as hard as possible. As soon as he opened his mouth, I didn't feel like he was he was Abed. He just no. talked differently. Yeah. His cadence was different. Yeah. And I think he's like kind of a like, I don't want to say like a Shakespearean trained actor, but like he's, you know got a lot of acting training yeah definitely it's not just he's not a one-trick pony at all no i think they got good people for community did you know actually that he's in the the ducktales remake did you hear about the ducktales remake ducktales remake oh man so there's a ducktales remake tv show okay and uh, i was googling this last night and i watched the trailer for it too and i'm kind of excited to like watch the rest um because i was a big ducktales fan as a kid and Ben Schwartz is playing one of them. Huey wow, Dewey, Louis. great. Uh, Danny Putty's one of the other ones. It's Pootie, but okay. Pootie, thank yeah. you. Pootie sounds weird. I know. Like Pootie Tank. But that's his name. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't say it sounds weird. <laughs> uh, and Bobby Moynihan. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, Beck Bennett plays Launchpad McQuack. Wow. Yeah. So is this going to be... It's, it's going to be for kids. Yep. And David Tennant is Scrooge McDuck. Wow. Isn't that insane? So I wonder if it'll have a sense of humor that's that's well, watchable for DuckTales, us. like, DuckTales did, kind of did too. Like, did I it? remember watching it in junior high, and there were plenty of things that were super funny with it. Like, there was one point where Huey, Dewey, or Louie lifts up this, like, oh my gosh, it was a fake document all along. And there's just a huge <laughs> stamp on it that says fake document. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was supposed to be funny for adults or kids were just supposed to like, just be like, oh, well, this spun- is sponge- move this, the SpongeBob is kind of the essential example of the right. show that's almost made more for adults than it is for kids. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another show that really works well, if you try and watch it as an adult, is Recess. Like, yeah. suddenly you just start watching it as this, it's this brilliant microcosm of life, of, of community. Sure. And yeah, like, that, you, there's like six different characters, like, well, but it's like friends or community or... Exactly, but also... Cheers. This, it's it's... It's a world as much as Middle Earth is a world. Like there's right. this all there's all these yeah that's true extra characters you've got, and you've, what are they the 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 diggers the, that's what they call them the diggers? they were the digger twins the digger uh, twins King Bob who was like ruler of the playground the was, girl so, on the swing yeah so it yeah. was this strange universe there was a lot of world building in that show yeah and it's interesting to watch it as an adult almost with like a sociological eye yeah because it was very creative in that way yeah definitely. I was a big Recess fan, too. Me, too. In school and out of school. Powerless had a couple of 
kind of quirky allusions to classic superhero dim. I don't know if you noticed the one moment where there was narration, but it was Adam West. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was going to be on. I noticed that Adam West was at the very beginning and I thought it was going to be on running through the rest of the show, mm. but it wasn't. But I, I don't know if maybe the second episode starts with narration from him. I, I would like if, if that I, remained a consistent thing. Yeah. And it'd probably be easy work for him. Yeah. But also he's like an older guy and he still does a lot of family guys. So right. I don't know if he wants to commit to that all the time. Yeah. But it was still kind of funny. Yeah. I, again, like I was kind of thinking it might be more of like the big bang theory, but on that's always like the show that I hate. Uh, the big bang theory, but with superheroes or like, and it was better than that of, in your opinion. Yeah. I so, so interesting. You say that because it was so much more big bang theory than I thought it was going to be really. Yeah. So we were on like on the big bang spectrum. I was expecting way more of Big Bang and you were expecting yeah. way less. Yeah, so we kind of drifted in opposite directions. The other cool thing is that uh, Emily's father, Vanessa Hudgens' father, was the original Jimmy Olsen from the 1978 Superman movie. Oh, I had no idea. So that's kind of cool. That would have been lost on me. And I kind of wonder, like, is that going to be a show? The thing about pilots is sometimes pilots suck. Yes, that's so true. Like, we always watch the pilots and, you know... Shows can really gain their footing after the pilot. I see the next show we're going to talk about as one of those shows that like, it's a little awkward in the first episode, but there's some funny lines. So I'm like, is there good writing that might stand out like three episodes down the line? Maybe so. And the other thing is, is just not everything is fleshed out yet in both the writing and the performing. And sometimes there is a difference of like a year and a half between the shooting of the pilot and episode two. Yeah. So often pilots feel very disjointed. Yep. Right. And they, they like will Especially completely change a character. Absolutely. They'll say that's not the direction that we want to do. And you look at a show like the office and by the time you get to the third season, half the office has like completely changed what they were from episode one. Totally. Like you look at Jan's, transition through the entire arc of the series like she's not a character that should have been like had an arc no but she's got so many weird things going on with her by the end that writers just thought was funny but i think it it kind of works to the point of the series which is about how all of these straight laced boring people are actually kind of lunatics yeah um that that jan who was trying to, she was doing a good job of hiding her lunacy. Yeah. Had it also. She ends up <laughs> holding a baby and singing son of a preacher man in like season five. <laughs> I know. That's so crazy. <laughs> that episode where they have the dinner party. Is yeah. One of the most awkward episodes of any TV show I've ever seen. I have another friend who's, she's actually kind of watching it for the first time over and over. And I get texts from her. Like cr- I'm crying, laughing right now. They just had the auction for the Bruce Springsteen tickets. Oh, like, yes. There's just multiple things where she like she's like the fight. She was like trying to recount the uh, 5K for rabies yep. episode and couldn't get through it. She was like dying laughing. I watched it for the first time just like a year ago. Yeah. And it's my it's it's my perfect cut between hilarious and sentimental. Yeah. Like that's a that's a finale that makes me cry. Yeah. And I the the overall finale of the office, yes. Really? Oh yeah. Was it good up until the finale? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, there's there are two seasons in the end after uh, Michael leaves. After uh, Steve Carell leaves, and the first one where he's gone, they kind of struggle to find their footing, and yeah. it's not it's not James Spader's fault because he's funny. Yeah, I thought he was really funny in the show. Sorry, technical difficulties. Uh, 
it's not his fault, but the show just kind of struggles for like 10, 15 episodes. But then the the, the final season is so good. It becomes really? Dwight's show. Yeah. And it's just really all about Dwight and Jim, which okay. is really the heart of The Office. Yeah, it's true. So Well, Michael was definitely yeah. one of the big three while of course. the whole show was going on. But talk about a character who changes from the first episode. Like Mark, yeah. Michael is is an, a bad person in the first season of that show. Yeah. And as it goes on, he's not a bad person. He's just so horribly misguided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's the case for, for Powerless. Maybe I'd watch another one if I was watching with somebody who was curious enough, but life's too short. <laughs> My friend sent me the video of Michael Scott in like season four or five when he starts the Michael Scott paper company with... Yep. I just finished watching that recently. Really? Yeah. With Pam and... and uh, and Ryan. And Ryan. Yeah. And he's like, all right, time for our cheer. And they do U-G-L-Y. Yeah. Gotta, you ugly. Yo mama, say you ugly. Like, <laughs> I just feel like they're even Go taking liberties. Michael's got paper company. <laughs> yeah. They're even taking liberties with the song because that's what Michael would have done. Like, exactly. Yo mama, said you ugly. I just watched one today where uh, it's, it's the episode before they're going to Niagara Falls for Jim and Pam's wedding. Right. And I think it's Andy who says what happens in Niagara stays in Niagara. Mm-hmm. And Michael gets really worked up because he's like, don't, that, that's my joke. Don't steal my joke. <laughs> and Dwight's like, it's not, you didn't invent what stays in, what right. happens in stays in. And Michael's so worked up because he just, like his, his God is comedy, but he yeah. just doesn't understand it at he's all. He's not funny at all. Yeah. Or he's funny for all the wrong reasons. Anyway, uh, okay. Powerless, would you give it your, your recommendation? You know, I don't... Hmm. I could see it like a couple seasons from now being kind of like a cult favorite. Yeah. If it makes it that far. Um, what Do we know what network it airs on? I don't know, but I do know <laughs> it's not part of the CW DC universe. Right. It's okay. not going to ever have crossovers with Supergirl or Arrow. Right. Or uh, whatever their other shows are. That's good. Yeah. They were also Flash. using very weird DC comic book characters in it. True, but there were obvious Batman references. There were obvious Batman references. You're right. But who? what was like Crimson Lady or whatever was I don't the know. first character in it? I don't know. Anyways. I, so, you know what? I'm I'm actually kind of like leaving a little bit of hope for that. Am I going to watch the rest of the season? No, not right now. Not until I'm told... It's really good. Mm. You need to watch the rest. I'm not a huge like comic book or DC fan. Right. So until I hear, oh my God, this is amazing, like Legion or something. It's a little part of me that thinks that somebody is just trying to capitalize on the fact that Marvel does so well with lightheartedness and that the DCCU can't seem to do that. They're so dark and 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 grungy yeah that people are turned off by that so like let's go let's overcorrect let's go so far in the other direction that we make a camp show yeah about dc characters that's kind of the other side of it is that like i don't really like the superheroification of how everything is going yeah you know like i know like the avengers was cool but like there's gonna be a point where we're all like okay that's enough right we all get a break from superheroes. I think it's already that. starting to happen. Yeah. Like this year, we'll see both Spider-Man Homecoming, for which there's been a trailer now, by the way, and it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So great. It's going to be a good year for Marvel. But what's next year going to be? Because I don't care about Infinity Wars. Right. I just, it's over. I don't know what Infinity Wars is. Yeah, it's the next Avengers movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm getting less and less pumped all the time. Right. Um. So you wouldn't 
recommend it either? No. I, you know, I'm like halfway between wouldn't recommend and don't okay. care. So you want to give half, half an S? Yeah. For Slaney? No, I don't even want to give that. Okay, no S's. No S's. Powerless. No S's on this one. Sorry. Sorry, Powerless. Okay. Um, our next show. Our next show is, is a show a called Trial show. and Error. Called Trial and Error. <laughs> you go for it. Uh, well, you get the timer ready, and I'll do my best to recap it. Holy oh. suffering. Okay. Ready? Go. Count me down. you got to count me down. What's the matter with you? You've got 37 seconds. Uh, 27 seconds. Start it over. Seconds. I'm not saying a okay. word until you start it over. i got to be All able right. to see my clock. All right. I'm resetting it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so the episode starts with a 911 call. John Lithgow is calling emergency because his wife is unconscious and he thinks she might be dead. But he also is very suspicious because he is trying to get a hold of the cable provider. So he ends up getting uh, implicated for his wife's death and he gets arrested. And they fly in this very young, hotshot, big city lawyer to be his lawyer in the investigation surrounding John Lithgow's uh, uh, wife's uh, trial. And all of the, the lawyers on the case seem to be very silly crazy people that was terrible <laughs> it's there's a lot to take in though there's a I lot mean, going on it's a comedy it's important to point that out it's right. like it is a very uh slapsticky silly comedy i also left out the whole part about john lithgow's daughter and how she kind of swooped in and, and right and the, the fact lawyer that, met him that he's found out as like gay at the end oh of the yeah well he's gender fluid he's or gender he's not fluid. gender fluid he's sexually fluid uh that was the only thing that made me laugh in the whole show really was was uh, sexuality is fluid. And sometimes I like my fluids to go towards other men. <laughs> it's, it, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It was like, again, I kind of thought it was going to be better than than it ended up being. But I'm more willing to assume that this was a case of, it's got a, it's got a little case of the pilots. Yes. You know, it, yep. it, might, it might yet find its feet. In fact, I saw a thing on Reddit last week that said, look, if you're a Parks and Rec fan, you should check out Trial and Error. Wow. And that's a, that's a big, those remember, are big words. I remember watching the first episode of Parks and Rec and thinking the same thing. Oh, like, yeah. Like, this seems a little bit awkward. It's like an awkward office. I'm not, I wouldn't have recommended it back then. And look what Parks and Rec became. It's zanier, though, than The Office. It is. And even, yeah, it's, it's zanier than The Office, but, are, do you mean Parks and Rec or? No, Trial and Error. Although, yes, Parks and Rec is zanier than The Office. You know, but I think Trial and Error is zanier than both, just in based my on mind, the pilot. I thought it felt like a uh, more awkward Arrested Development. Okay, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it just, it felt like all the characters, you know, the, that um, the the lawyer character was, uh, was is it Michael? In... Uh, what is his name? <laughs> I don't know, but you know what? He played Hunter, Jan's assistant in The Office. Oh, interesting. Was was the country guy the guy who played Moe's, too? I was trying to figure that out. The guy who played Moe's in The Office? Yeah. No, it was Mike Schur. Played oh, that was Mike Schur. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just think it was like, you know, all of the interactions. There's like, it seems like there's a lot of different family members coming into play. Yeah. And, there's, and they're all working toward a case of, you know, getting the dad off the hook. Right. A little bit. I don't know. It just felt a little bit like, and Jeffrey Tambor to John Lithgow felt kind of similar. Oh, sure. Yeah. Know? Yeah. They're kind of similar guys. So with that, I thought it was, it was uh, kind of similar to the, uh, no, I'm not saying it's like a cut for cut remake of Arrest Development by any means, but like, 
it reminded me of it. I kind of thought watching it like it probably would have been a good pilot to pair with the pilot of Twin Peaks because it's about this guy who's coming in to investigate this very absurd murder in a weird little town. Right. Obviously, genre-wise and stylistically, the shows are very similar, but mm-hmm. that uh, that through line of a story exists in both. And in fact, mm-hmm. it's the backbone of both shows. It almost it seemed a little bit more cartoony too, didn't it? Like yes, like at the very beginning where it says, uh, "Local man accused of killing local wife," on the on yeah. the ticker tape. Yeah. for the news camera. I kind of thought that was like okay funny. I saw that as the little thumbnail for the show. I thought it was funny that they're still living in the house, which is a crime scene. And yeah, the, window the window is still, still broken, broken open. <laughs> and like, it's got caution tape, like it's a crime scene, but they're still like living in the house. Right. Yeah. It just happened like yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I thought the term, the buggery act is funny, which just refers to homosexuality being illegal. Yes. And the other thing that I thought was kind of funny was uh, when John Lithgow says, my roommate's, uh, my roommate's super neat and like a pretty good roommate. He's a like a child rapist, terrible person, but a, yeah, a good good roommate. Was it, was it, what was it? Uh, did he say a terrible human? Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I was just trying to think if he what what his uh, what his like he's a serial rapist. He's a serial rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that to me was kind of funny too. But other than that, not a whole lot of laughs in the first one. It felt like a little like awkward and forced, but maybe yeah. they worked the kinks out through the rest of the episode. Maybe. Did you notice that that was the warden from Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't he, seen him in anything else. He basically else. hired the Northeastern lawyer because he wanted a Jewish person. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the overall premise is kind of funny, but I just yeah. felt like the shot for shot show wasn't as funny as it could have been. Yeah. No, I agree. This, I, I kind of thought the script wasn't that tight. Yeah. Like if it didn't have John Lithgow, who's of course affable, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would have cared at all. Right. You know? Did you watch Third Rock from the Sun at all? Never, no. No? No. I always thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. I've he heard was, that. He was really... I don't know if he won Emmys for that, but he might have. What was that show about? It's just a family that lives in space? No, they live on Earth, but they're from space. Oh, okay. So that's they're funnier. a bunch of aliens trying to adapt to like normal life. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the like 17-year-old, but he's actually the oldest alien. Oh, I see. So they, there's a bunch of kind of funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he assumes the body of a teenager. Yeah. Okay. Maybe some other time. Yeah, we should possibly do it for a show. Okay. We'll do a show show about Third Rock from the Sun. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we could have... do a whole John Lithgow show if we wanted, and it would we've, have a it, ton of stuff in it. Except for that, we've already we've already done. We've done the Crown. Those are his new shows now. The we Crown haven't done and... Dexter, or we haven't done when Dexter he played an evil man. Yeah, that's right. He's like a Shakespearean. He's actor, a yeah. He's right? like a very serious actor in his yeah. heart for sure. And and because where was John Lithgow before 1997? Because he's it seems like he's just been 50 forever. You know, like, that's a good point. He's one of those guys who's always been middle aged. I guess he was probably in theaters. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Although I feel like there was, I don't know if he did a show with or a movie with Robin Williams, but I think he did. We can't forget he was Lord Farquaad in Shrek. That's true. But that would have been after Third Rock years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're uh, working on, they finished the script for Shrek 5 this week. I'm yeah, sure. I'm a couple of Shreks behind, I think. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Somebody tried to, there was an Ask Reddit the other day about what are 
some examples of sequels that are better than originals and like way too high up on the list. Somebody said that Shrek two is leagues better than Shrek one. I couldn't believe that anybody feels that way. Yeah, I don't think so. It's it's funny because Shrek one was groundbreaking. Speaking of fast and furious, a lot of people say like fast four and fast five or whatever they were called were really good. And I haven't seen past Tokyo drift. (laughs) Oh really? Yeah. I think was the third one. I think the idea is that though those movies are not necessarily your idea of like highbrow entertainment. In at their heart, they're good films. For well, the most and I, part. I think now they're reaching a point where they're almost getting intentionally ridiculous. Like, yeah. like, oh my god, is that a submarine chasing us? And the submarine <laughs> throws a, a missile on the ice at the rock's car, and the rock like grabs it with his hand and like throws it backwards oh my god while he's driving yeah so it's becoming like oh yeah we gotta watch this for all the wrong reasons yeah i don't know i think i saw the first one but it was a long time ago yeah apparently the last one was like amazing i heard that i need to watch all of them i need to just do a day where you and i were at the same party the night paul walker died because i just remember it really affecting you really yeah yeah, because somebody read it and you were like, "Oh my God, Paul Walker died!" You had the strongest oh, reaction. That was the uh, that was Halloween, wasn't it? I don't think so. No, it was. We were there through Megan Patterson. You and I were both there. I don't know if it was her place, but no, yeah. you know what? It was Mark Dwaron's house. Yeah, so it was. It was, it was no, it was his Movember party. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, those are people that listeners don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, uh, I really thought it was the Halloween that I showed up as Mark Wahlberg. No, I was just uh, like a guy from Boston. I was wearing I a don't Harvard, remember you ever being that. I was so wearing no. a Harvard sweatshirt and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm Mark Wahlberg. And then I was like, <laughs> I think it was just a guy from Boston that really appreciated all Boston actors. And I was right. constantly referencing Ben Affleck and, and I was saying Casey Affleck, which was kind of the funny joke at the time because Casey right. Affleck hadn't really done anything. He wasn't else. a big deal yet. I was like, Donnie Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Did you see Manchester by the Sea yet? No. That's gonna... I don't really want to. People no, I say it. it's going to like change my mood for the 48 hours. No, no, it's, I'm glad I saw it. It's a good film. Well, I saw uh, Florence Foster Jenkins this weekend. What's that? It's Meryl Streep. It's what she got nominated for this oh, year. Yeah. She plays, it's like, she's like this. 1940s socialite in new york mm-hmm. who wants more than anything to be a singer like yeah. she loves music so much uh and she's like very kind and everybody loves her but she can't sing at all she's a real person mm-hmm. she's a terrible singer like one of the worst singers ever and she's rich and she right. rented out carnegie hall and her husband hugh grant loved her so much that he paid all the the paper the the newspaper reviewers to write good reviews so that she wouldn't ever find out she's terrible um and everybody just kind of really like people requested her songs on the radio because she just kind of she just kind of embodied joy even though she wasn't a good singer she made people happy okay it's a really nice movie actually nice yeah um i don't know if i'll see that It just sounds like a movie. <laughs> I, I think I overreacted I to Nice. I know you're not going to see it. That's uh, why I told you the whole movie. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that, though. Um, the three movies that I think I want to see, when you brought up Seth Rogen, it reminded me that I want to see Edge of Seventeen, Take This Waltz, and I also want to see Get Out. I saw Edge of Seventeen. With Did Haley like Steinfeld, it? is that the one? With Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was Did, good. Did you really like I it? I really liked it, yeah. Was it super sad? No, no not at all. Oh, it, good. It, I thought a little bit... We're kind of entering territory of this archetype of 
17-year-old girl in high school who's kind of above it all and is smarter than her own good. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's, she thinks she's smarter than she is, and she's probably too smart for her own good. This character that was Juno. I was going to say, like, And Juno. Emma Stone in Easy A, and, like, right. a lot of other... Well, that's a really good movie. Yeah. Actually, it's, like, objectively an excellent film. <laughs> um, we're kind of... It's becoming a bit of a cliche, is all I want to say. She is that for sure. But she really sells it because she's a really good actress. Right. And Woody Harrelson's impossibly likable in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, judging from the trailer, I really wanted to watch it. Yeah, I think you should see that. Take This Waltz is who? I was thinking The Last Waltz when you said but What's no, Take This Waltz? Take This Waltz is, um, I think, another Seth Rogen movie. Oh, maybe it is. The one he did with Sarah Pauly. Yeah, it was the one he did with Sarah Pauly. I don't know anything about that film. It's Yeah, neither do I. But I've heard a lot of people recommend it. A lot of people say it's amazing. And then when he's talked about it, he said it's a, it was like one of the great joys that he's had filmmaking. And what was the third? Get Out. Oh, Get Out, I still want to see. Allison Williams is on Nerdist Podcast today, and they're just talking about it like it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, they would talk about it on Nerdist like it was the greatest thing ever. My, yeah. friend, my friend Duncan said, I can see it. He says, no, you can watch that movie. He says, it's not scary like that. Yeah. And so I hope that's true. I think it's scary like a Black Mirror episode, kind of. Maybe, yeah. I think I kind of get that you impression, know, where too. where you're like, ooh. Like, it's ooh, a mind bender, like we but should, it's not. We should be conscious of all of these things, but. Right, and I understand it's not, it's not graphic at all, which is really a big part of it. Yeah. That's also good. Um, I told you that... Uh, I think I've mentioned this possibly on three podcasts now. But that uh, Jordan Peele has like a whole line of social thrillers that he's... Yeah, we talked about that. Lined up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, he's becoming like the premier horror director. Mm-hmm. He might get nominated next year. That'd be crazy. This movie is getting such praise. Yeah. And it's made so much money that it's and not it's just going to fly away. Not really the Oscar window. Not typically. No. You wouldn't think so. But maybe next time his movies will get released in the season. We'll find out. Do you want to give any S's, your S, to the uh, trial and error? No. I think Not I, yet. I think I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. So one or the four S's for this week's show show? Uh, if you want to give it a trial and error, no. Be I'm your gonna, own person. I'm going to bail. Okay. But I, I can understand why you want to. Yeah. But I'm not going to watch the rest of it. I think that's the main thing that I base on, base giving an S on. I won't do that. I'm like, I'm going to watch the rest of it. There are lots of shows that I know I'm not going to watch, but I think are good. Yeah. I don't even necessarily think this is a masterpiece. I just, I see enough potential in it that I'm going to give it my S for the pilot. Sweets is buying stock and trial and error. Uh, All right. So I might have celiac. (laughs) Yeah. Probably don't. You should check that out. I probably should. We should talk about it next week. You got to get blood done. That'll be like a project. We can talk about it. It'll be show fodder. Okay. <laughs> Why did you say fodder like it's a dirty word? Show fodder. Show I don't know. Fodder. Something a morning show would say. Uh, all right. And show prep. Troubled fodder. We have show prep to do. Okay. That's the thing I've never said before. Industry term. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a terrific week. I love you. And uh, <laughs> be safe. I never trust Will Smith.